begin with prayer. Father, we thank you for this time of gathering to worship you and to listen to you. And we, we love you so much, God, just as the things that we've sung about, how, how precious you are, and, and we've sang of the wonders of your love. God, I ask this morning that you would open our hearts to know that love and to experience that love. Even if we think we already know it, I pray that you'd so vastly deepen our experience of it that it would be like we've hardly, hardly known it at all in comparison to the fullness with which you reveal it to us. Father, we ask now that your spirit would come in power and in life and energize this time and your word with with your very own presence, we ask you to speak. We ask you to be the one who is speaking this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I've got four verses for you from the bulletin. Psalm 90, 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. That's Psalm 90, 14. Then Psalm 143, verse 8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. John 17, 26. This is Jesus praying to the Father. I have made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them and Romans 5 5 and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us One of the greatest blessings Jesus obtained for you and me is the love of God. Christ came into the world and gave his life that we might know and enjoy God's love. The love of God is so unfailing, so measureless, so perfect, so perfectly suited to the needs of our hearts that is all we need for a full and satisfied life. It is the only thing in the world that is able to make us truly happy. Moses prayed in Psalm 90, verse 14, O satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. That prayer was made in the midst of very bleak circumstances out in the wilderness Uh, Moses had a profound feeling that life was short and filled with suffering. But he knew that God was able to fill our hearts and satisfy us and cause us to sing for joy and be happy all of our days with his love and because of his love. A.W. Tozier said in The Pursuit of God, God is so vastly wonderful, so utterly and completely delightful that he can, without anything other than himself, meet 
and overflow the deepest demands of our total nature. Ruth Myers, uh, a missionary and the navigator who Cindy and I were acquainted with years ago, said, over time, we come to God with such an assortment of deficiencies and inadequacies and emergencies, time and work pressures, marriage difficulties, rebellious or straying children, bereavement, financial problems, emotional problems, problems with other people, lost jobs, lost friends, and lost happiness. Even in our best times, you and I have vast inner needs, but God knows all those needs within us and all their depths and meets each one with a love that is beyond measure. When we see in the Bible how David and others found joy and satisfaction in God's love, it forces us to ask ourselves, do I really understand the love of God? How much am I experiencing the love of God? How is the love of God affecting me? How is it affecting my attitudes and emotions? How is the love of God affecting my responses to life and to circumstances and to other people? Am I having problems in relationships with people because I do not really know and experience the love of God in my own heart? And maybe most important of all, am I experiencing the love of God in such a way that I love him? John said we love him because he first loved us. Our love for God is a response of his overwhelming love for us. Do you know God's great love for you in such a way that it no longer seems strange or feels strange to say back to him, God, I love you so much? Has his love touched you so that you want to love him, you want to please him and obey him and radiate his love to others? The last thing that Jesus prayed for his disciples was for them to know and experience God's love. John 17, 26, which we just read, Jesus prayed to the Father. And he said, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The Father loves you and me with the same love that he has for Jesus. Jesus prayed that you would know that. Jesus also prayed that the Father's love would be in you, would be inside of you. We are to be filled up with his love as we are filled up with him. As Paul prayed or said in Ephesians Three, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
Paul's goal for us as believers. The, this is like the end goal. This isn't, the, this isn't just the beginning of the Christian life. This is like the end goal that we would be filled up with all the fullness of God and be filled up with his love. I honestly believe the very highest human experience in this world is to be filled with God and his love. The love of God is not something for the edges of your life. Our lives are to be saturated with the love of God. I'm afraid that sometimes we think, okay, my sins are forgiven and God loves me, what's next? The love of God is something that we never get past, that we never get over, that we never get enough of. There, there is no next. <laughs> it's the goal, the summation, the summit, um, the highest pinnacle of our Christian experience to be filled with God and his love. God's love has a curing power or a healing power in our hearts that nothing else does. His love gives us such a deep sense that, that we are held and loved and cared for, that it creates security and stability and this profound sense of inward joy. We, we lose our need to, to control others and to control circumstances in order to be happy and to feel safe. We, we lose our need to try to derive our happiness from other people and demand that they give us those things which will make us happy or feel satisfied or fulfilled. Because we know that we are safe and fulfilled and ultimately very happy and satisfied in the love of God. If the love of God does not flourish in our hearts, then our insecurities and our fears flourish. Uh, we don't feel safe around other people. Uh, we don't feel safe in the turmoil and troubles of life. Our wounds, our inner wounds remain unhealed. We're sensitive to offenses. We become defensive and critical or judgmental of others. Or we just plain don't think of others. And we don't pour out ourselves for others because we don't, sufficiently know the transforming love of God inside of us. Without the love of God, we're easily overwhelmed or overcome and defeated by life. But Romans 8 says that with God's love, we can overcome anything. Romans 8, 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The love of God is big enough for your life no matter what happens. And it's the only thing that is big enough for your life. Even if all hell breaks loose against you, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. God's love is a love that, that moves us, that, that carries us, that takes us all the way to maturity and holiness 
and spiritual health or well-being. I'm sure most of you are familiar with that story in the book of John where a woman who was caught in adultery and there were those around her who were starting to stone her, wanted to stone her. And Jesus showed love to the woman caught in adultery by protecting her from the vicious condemnation of the Pharisees. But he also showed love to her by saying, neither do I condemn you, now go and sin no more. God loves you just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you just as you are. God's love does not merely affirm us in our sin and brokenness. His love is a transforming love. It changes us. It pulls us out of our sin and brokenness. He loves us that much. He conforms us through his love to the likeness of Jesus. Through his love or because of his love, he calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. In Revelation 1.5, Jesus is described as the one who loves us and released us from our sins. God in his love provides for our forgiveness and provides for healing from our sins. The love of God enables us to love imperfect people around us. And since everybody's imperfect, we need that love. The love of God alone really enables us to love people. An author by the name of Dick Staub said, only those who experience God's loving presence in the deepest places of their soul can be a loving presence in the souls of others. When we are touched by God, our own deepest wounds can become our deepest well of compassion for the sorrows of others. And when I read that, I, I thought of 2 Corinthians 1, verse 4, which this is kind of my paraphrase of that. God comforts us in all of our affliction with his own loving, comforting presence so that we are able to love and comfort others who are in any affliction. We have God's love poured out within us so that, so that we can become the embodiment of that love to others. And that's really the only way that we're equipped and able to love others as we ought is to have God's own presence within us or as Dick Staub said to experience God's loving presence in the deepest places of our soul it is knowing the love of God that fuels our love and our passion for God as I said earlier the Apostle John said we love him because he first loved us. John Owen said, all that we learn of God will only frighten us away from him if we do not see him as loving and merciful to us. 
But if your heart is taken up with the Father's love, it cannot help but choose to be overpowered, conquered, and embraced by Him. I ran across a verse. You know how you, you find a verse that you've probably read a lot of times and it, it just isn't highlighted, but then you read it sometime and it's just like it's in, in neon letters. Uh, and that happened for me this week with uh, Psalm 86, 12 and 13. I was reading it, and the, it's, it, this is in the NIV. And it said, I will praise you, Lord, my God. I will praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love toward me. The love of God fires up that kind of praise. The love of God, it's knowing, it says, for great is your love toward me. That's why I, I will glorify you, I will bless you, I'll praise you with all of my heart because great is your love for me. It's the, the love of God uh, arouses that kind of response, that kind of passion, that kind of praise, that kind of love back to God. Just to be clear, it is those who belong to Christ, it is those who are in Christ, it is those who trust in Christ who know this love. Uh, certainly there is a love of God which God has for all people. God so loved the world. And I was thinking of the, the story in the Gospels where Jesus invited a rich young ruler to follow him, but you know the story, he, he turned away from Jesus because he loved his money more than God, and yet Mark tells us that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Yet this man never followed Christ. But the Bible is unmistakably clear that there is a completely unique realm of love the Father has for those who belong to Christ. We are those. We are those people whom God loves. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, to all those in Rome who are loved by God. And that's, that's the way he addressed the believers in Rome. I'm writing to you guys, to those who are loved by God and called to be saints. This is our mark. To be loved by God is our mark, our identity. It's our honor. It's our greatest blessing as God's children that we are loved by God. And yet our understanding of this love and, and our, our heart experience of this love can be much more than it is. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 5, Paul prayed, may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. Our hearts can be can be aimed at another direction. Our hearts can be looking at other things. And Paul is praying that God would, would redirect our hearts or direct our hearts back to the love of God and to be focused on that. Our experience of God's love can be more or less. Otherwise, 
Paul wouldn't have said that. May God direct your hearts to the love of God. He wouldn't have prayed those prayers in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3 for us to know the love of God, to be able to comprehend it. Now, our experience of God's love can, and our, our understanding, our comprehension of God's love can be much more than it is. Well, I want to move on to three ways that we know the love of God and can grow in our knowledge of it and our understanding of it. First, in the Bible, God tells us of his feelings for us and of his love for us. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. God reminded his people in Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Isaiah 43.4, God said to his people, you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. And he feels the same about you. This is a written word in the Bible. It is also a living word, which we must not only read, but we must hear it in our hearts. And that's maybe why I love Psalm 143, verse 8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. And I think I shared earlier in a message, uh, that verse has uh, just been a verse that I, I just go to uh, every morning, pretty much. I, pretty much every morning I just, I just utter that uh, verse as a prayer of my heart and think about it. It's, just, it's, such, it's, it's, it's so life-giving. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. That's the NIV, the King James Version, which actually I really like, maybe even better. It says, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. It's almost like, uh, make me hear your love. <laughs> I need it so bad. Just, just break through whatever needs to be broken through and cause me or make me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. God says, I love you. I mean, all through the Bible, we're told of God's love. We need to hear him say, I love you with your heart, with your inner person. Uh, we need his love to come to us each morning, and it will if we look for it and listen for it. In God's word, we find the sweetest descriptions of his love. Ephesians 2.8, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. We hear verses like that and we just, we just race over those statements failing to grasp in our hearts God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. One more from Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Here in this verse, 
we have this picture of Almighty God, the holy creator, Lord God, and he, he sings over you. He rejoices over you because he loves you. So we need to go to the Bible again and again to remind us of his great love and to remove all our distorted ideas about his love. Again, I quote from Ruth Meyer, all of us in some degree have false or incomplete notions about God and his love. And these wrong ideas about him lie at the root of many of our problems. So we go to the Bible to cut through the tangle of our false notions and find out what God is really like. With increasing spiritual vision, we take in the truth about him that sparkle on its pages. There we get to know our wonderful God and learn to actually experience his love day by day in our minds and emotions and in our character. Second, the Holy Spirit brings the experience of God's love into our hearts. Uh, the love of God is to be deeply felt and known within us, and it can be. Romans 5.5 5 says, our hope in God will not disappoint us. It cannot disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. So, so we have proof of God's love and we have proof of all that God has promised to us because his very own love, the love of God, floods and overflows our hearts. We know it inside of us. David Guzik in his commentary on Romans said, the Apostle Paul's logical arguments in Romans are devastating, but the book of Romans doesn't lack emotion or passionate experiences with God. Paul wants us to think right thoughts about God, but he also wants us to have the right experience with God, the love of God poured out in our hearts. The love of God poured out into your heart. Your heart is what you are on the inside with all your feelings and thoughts and desires. Jesus said the Pharisees, he said, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. The inside is where the love of God has to, to overflow and flood you. The love of God has to reach the inside of you. It, it can't just be an external statement or a platitude or some, something that you sort of academically understand or mentally acknowledge, the love of God has to get inside of you and then flood your heart, affecting, affecting your thoughts and your personality and everything about you. Spurgeon compared the love of God to an alabaster box of expensive perfume. I know this example might be a little bit antiquated, but... I thought it so beautifully communicated, the love of God. Okay, so just imagine this box or bottle of expensive perfume. And Spurgeon said, It is a very precious ointment, but we know nothing of it. It remains a mystery, a secret, 
until the Holy Spirit opens the box and fills the chamber of our hearts. David compared the love of God to a feast of the richest and finest of foods, and he called it the best thing in life or even better than the best thing in life, better than life itself. He said, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Why all the praise? Why all the singing? Uh, Because of the love of God. Because the love of God is better than life. This inward fullness and joy and satisfaction in God's love is waiting there for you and me. It's waiting for us to to know and experience it more and more and more deeply and more fully. Third, the third and ultimate proof of God's love is the death of Jesus for our sins. 1 John 3, 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. No matter how we feel, we are always to look at the cross as proof of the Father's love. Romans 5, 6 through 8, which which incidentally is this follows right after it says that the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And the very next verse says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ian Murray wrote a book called The Cross, The Pulpit of God's Love. And he means by that that the cross preaches God's love to us. The cross speaks this message of the deep, an amazing love of God for you. And if you, if you need a greater glimpse of the love of God, just think about the cross and all that God did for you there. Well, how do we, how do we respond to this or, or what do we do with this? I'm just going to wrap up by sharing a few things that I think think will help us the first thing we do and you may say well this is really a really a hard thing to do but it's it's really probably the most important thing to do is is that is to begin to understand the great need that you have to experience and to know the love of God I mean, this is probably the biggest need in your life, at least for, for many people in the room this morning. 
And without understanding the deep need that you have to know and experience the love of God, you probably aren't going to uh, do much in response to this message today. It's, you're probably not going to uh, thirst for this. You're probably not going to go after this. You're probably not going to seek this. You're probably not going to pray. Um, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. If you don't realize the deep need that you and your heart, your inner person, has to know and experience the love of God. So first, just, just let God reveal to you, let God open to you the vast need of your heart to know his love and, and to be filled up more and more with God and his love. Second, then, we need to believe what God has told us or what God has said to, you, so, to us. When, when God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, we, we need to believe that. We, we believe that by latching onto that, by grasping a hold of that, by taking it for ourselves. That's what belief is. Belief is it's an action of your heart. Um, I, I think when some people hear the word belief, they think of something very nebulous that just sort of either happens to me or doesn't happen to me. I just sort of happen to believe or, or not believe. No, belief is a, it's an action that you take in your heart and you take that toward what God has said to you about his love. You do not have to wait for some special feeling to come over you you begin to choose, to focus on, to meditate on, to believe this everlasting, unfailing love that God says he has for you. John Owen said, the greatest sorrow and burden you can lay on the Father, the greatest unkindness you can do to him is not to believe that he loves you. I thought it was a very interesting thought. If someone says, someone, I'm talking about a human being, someone just says, I love you, and you just blow it off, what kind of an insult is that? I mean, you, 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 you show the value of that love by responding to it and believing it, by drinking it and by taking it into your heart in faith and belief. And then, then pray. Um, b- believe and pray. Ask God, ask God to help you comprehend and show you his love. Ask God to satisfy you with his unfailing love. You know, take a couple of these verses that are in the bulletin this morning, the, the very first two verses, and begin, begin to pray them. Make that just part of the cry of your heart. Oh, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Pray Psalm 143.8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. So we, we go to God and we pray and we, we, uh, we seek to comprehend. We seek to be filled and to be refilled daily, morning after morning after morning with his unfailing love.
And then the, the last thing is what I would call to draw near to his love. And very, very similar, all these are very similar, to believe, to pray, but to draw near to his love. Um, set your mind upon his love for you. Our lives are so affected by what, by what we set our minds upon. And put your heart up close to his love. When we sit in our family room at home, uh, sometimes I, f- I feel cold. And when I get cold, Cindy can tell you what I do. I grab a pillow off the cu- couch, I throw it down on the stone hearth, and I sit with my back about that far in front of the fireplace. And I just get warm and warmer and warmer and warmer until I'm so hot that I have to go sit down uh, in another chair. And you can do that with the love of God. You can put your heart next to God's love in such a way that it, actually warms your heart and fills your heart. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now abide in my love or remain in my love or stay up close to my love is what Jesus is saying. And you can do that. You can live up close to God's love. You can live in his love. All right, let's pray.